0: Well hey everyone, how you doing? Good. It is great to be with you. Special welcome to you guys at Denton and over at Lake Cities. We're excited about you being with us as we talk, continue to talk a little bit about hustle. You know, if you were to turn on Hulu right now, at the top of the list you would find some shows I never heard of. You got something called 13 Reasons. Don't Keep your emails yourself. I don't know if it's good or bad. Uh, you, you'll have a, a show uh, called Jane the Virgin. I'm sure that's probably not something I'm going to watch. Uh, you'll, you'll have Parks and Rec, which is a standard, right? Come on, somebody. But what pales in comparison to all of these shows on Hulu today, I'm going to help some of you young ones out that are getting the top ones. When I was a kid, I came home from school every day. My parents were school teachers. So they got go about an hour after me, and I had the same ritual every day. I went home. I got like a, what do you, a package, you know, those square packages of premium saltines. And I got margarine. <laughs> Don't judge me, I'm from Angleton, Texas. And I sat down in front of the TV and checked this out, like you had to go over there and turn it on yourself. You didn't even have a button. And I would put it on, I think it was channel 13, I think it was, and I'd start buttering those crackers. And you'd see these two guys come up on the screen. How many of you remember? Come on. All right, we're going to see Just sit right back in your hill- a tale, a tale of a faithful trip. They started from this, some port aboard this tiny ship, tiny port, there you go. The mate was a mighty sailor man, the skipper brave and shore. Five passengers sailed that day on a three hour yeah. tour. Come on, sing it with me, a three hour tour. And then the thunder, <laughs> getting rough. The tiny ship was tossed. If not for the courage of the fearless crew, the minnow would be lost. The minnow would be lost. Okay, well, let's stop so nobody leaves. The ship set ground on the shore of this uncharted desert isle. Let's go with Gilligan, the skipper too, the millionaire and his wife, the movie star, the professor, and Marianne here on Gilligan's Isle. Don't tell me you can't memorize the Bible. We all remember that song. Now, I like that show for two reasons. Got to be honest, we're authentic here. It's one of our values. I liked it because of Mary Ann. Yeah. I married a blonde-haired Mary Ann, I'm telling you right now. It's cute, little short, all-American. Uh, the show was goofy, but it, I watched it every day. And everything about it was great, except for one thing that happened to me after watching a couple of years of Gilligan's Island was this. This happened to me. I am this kid right here. I, when I was a kid, I had an irrational fear of quicksand because the skipper and Gilligan were always getting into quicksand. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up in South Texas by the beach. Guess what's all over the place in South Texas? Quicksand. Quicksand. And I'm honestly, I could, y'all can laugh at me now. It was very real to me then. Like I was convinced that I was going to be walking along and I was going to go into quicksand. And so back then, I know it's hard for some of you to believe this is before Al Gore invented the internet. I had to go to the library. And I just thought, you know, the way to get over this fear is to learn everything you can about quicksand. All right? And I tell you the thing that scared me the most about quicksand. The faster you ran in it, the quicker you sank. Now, we can laugh about Gilligan and Marianne and goofy songs, but I'm here today to tell you, there's a lot of us that live in quicksand and we don't even know it. We chase, we hustle, we run after things... And the faster we hustle, the more we sink. And the invitation of Jesus, come to me, all of you who are tired, it's because he knew you were going to be tired. And the invitation of Christ is not simply for a life that is to come, But for a life outside the quicksand in the world in which you live Now I'm going to tell you something over the next couple weeks I'm going to help you I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you from the life of Christ Some of the quicksand pits that we all find ourselves in from time to time But what's great about Jesus is not that he doesn't say hey don't do that He says I'm going to show you a better way so we have a Bible, smartphone. I'm going to use my iPad because I can blow it up. And I'm going to, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12. This is the third book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have an account inspired by the Holy Spirit, them remembering their time with Jesus. Luke, Luke 12, beginning verse 13, the Bible says this, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to, invite, to divide the inheritance with me. Uh-oh. Inheritance fights can get ugly, can't they? Now, I don't, again, I don't want to geek you out on this, but in the days of Jesus, when there was a fight over an inheritance, it was always over land. Land was it in the days of Jesus. And rabbinical law said this. It said that the older brother got the final say in how the inheritance was divided how many of you like me are not older brothers and are really glad that we're not living under that law anymore so the younger brother comes to jesus and says i don't like what my older brother has decided will you make him make it right he did not come to jesus and say hey would you listen to what both of us have to say and then give us the wisdom he says We've already decided I want you to make it right. Jesus says, man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a story, a parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Everybody say fool this very night your life will be demanded from you then who will get what you have prepared for yourself this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God and depending on where you grew up you were given an interpretation of this story most of us live in extremes And the extreme teaching on this story on one end would be what we know as the prosperity gospel that it is God's intent to make you healthy, wealthy, and wise. And that a sign of God's blessing is that he's going to bless you financially beyond your wildest dreams. Now, the problem with the prosperity gospel, if I spend too much time in other parts of the world, with people who are blessed beyond measure and have less than the least of anybody in this room. God's financial provision is just that, it is financial provision. And those who have been given more are not necessarily blessed more, they've just been given more. That's one extreme, but then the other extreme, the extreme that I grew up in is not a prosperity perspective. It's a poverty perspective. Okay, I grew up, and I don't have time to go into this today, but I I grew up in in a poverty mindset. I grew up with a father whose family were dirt farmers out in West Texas who lost it all, and they had to move, and my grandfather had to go work at the ship channel. My mom and dad were school teachers. They couldn't afford to pay attention, and we lived with this constant sense of we never have enough, we never have enough, which we're never going to have enough. Right And um, so, you know, God with a sense of humor introduces me to a sweet little girl from Brady, Texas whose father was a rancher, whose father pointed out in the great droughts of the 80s all the ranches that they had been lost because there hadn't been enough rain. So you take a little boy who grew up in this poverty spirit mentality and you join him with a little girl, rancher's kid who's who's worried about the rain coming. And we took worrying about the scarcity of God to, to astounding levels. And I've spent the last five years of cross Timbers trying to break that spirit off of this church because when you see a spirit of the church and you've started the church, you've got to kind of look in the mirror, right? So God, look at me. God does—one extreme is prosperity, but the other extreme is A poverty spirit and you young ones look at me be careful when you watch minimalism documentary and start now if you want to be a minimalist go ahead but that doesn't make you any more spiritual that somebody's got more something more in their closet than you do right so that's an extreme as well minimalism poverty a poverty spirit at one end that that heightens god want you to be poor or the other end that says god wants you to be rich this passage it's not about either one of those things. You were mistaught. This passage is not saying there's anything wrong with bigger barns. (laughs) In fact, Romans 12 says that some have the gift of giving. The gift of giving comes out of the lives of people who have been given bigger barns. The the problem that Jesus introduces is not about barns, it's not about possessions, it's about your perspective about life. The easy part is possession. Perspective is where Jesus wants to do his work, right? Like the easy thing is say to somebody who has medicated their entire life with food, from when they were a little kid and their family blew up and the mama wanted them to feel better, so they gave them a candy bar. And from that moment, that person has connected the absence of pain with something chocolate and it's telling them as a grown adult, quit eating so much. That's not the problem. The problem is what's driving you to medicate with food. I know what I'm talking about, man. Y- y'all laugh when I, some of you that have been here a while, you laugh when I say, it. you've heard a hundred times. But like, my mom was desperate for a girl. She had a son first, my brother Mark, and then when I was born, she was disappointed that she had another boy. She wanted a girl, so she just picked me. <laughs> right? And so I, I can vividly remember my mother, you had a bad day today? Come on, let's go to the mall. My deal wasn't chocolate, it was like a new pair of shoes right i connected something new to wear as making me feel better my problem in my 20s was debt but my problem wasn't my problem my problem was my perspective about how to deal with my pain everybody with me yes, sir. the problem is not that the man wants a bigger barn What Jesus shows clearly, he says, just, can I use my terms? I want to, this is the wrong way to hustle. (laughs) Because this man is being driven by fear. Next week, we're gonna talk about FOMO. Most of us are driven by fear, by the way. We're gonna talk about FOMO, the fear of missing. I'm, I'm, I'm inventing a new word today. I copyright it, so Cross Siemens gets off the money when y'all sell t-shirts and it goes viral. It's not FOMO, it's Foro. This guy's driven by the fear of running out. Now think about this. I mean, put your, just, re, can we reason for a moment? Is it safe to believe that if this guy, God blessed him, right? The Bible is clear. Jesus says that the land produced the crop. The guy didn't produce the crop. God produced the crop, right? Do you think when he was waiting for the crop, if he was worried when the crop came in so big, before the crop came in, do you think he was worried about the crop wasn't going to be big enough? Right? He spends all—how many of you have spent all this time worrying about something that never happened? Anybody besides me ever spend time worrying? Come on, quit lying in church. Now, now, think about the absurdity of this man's position. He spent weeks and months worrying about whether he's getting a, a crop, and now his problem is that his crop is bigger than it should have been. I mean, I'm, I'm glad we'd never do that. I'm glad none of us would spend years praying for God to give us a mate, a child, a job, a, and then we get it, and then we spend our time worrying about that mate, that child, we we would never do that, would we? See, the problem isn't that we run, that the answer is as silly as telling someone who's medicated with food, don't eat, telling me, quit buying stuff. The problem is Jesus wants to deal with the fear that you have of not having or being enough. The reason he talks so much about possessions in the Bible, he talks about money more than he does heaven, hell, or baptism, is because possessions, and this story is not about possessions, but I've gotta say this. <laughs> See, possessions, they, they, have, they, they are so tied to a deep, irrational fear that many of us have that one day we're not gonna have enough of something. And what happens is, the fear of not having enough. Look at me, write this down, it's this gonna help you. It, it, it is what drives you for more. The reason my little fat little grandson every time I put cookies in both hands, before he's halfway through, he's asking for more. is He's scared he's not gonna have enough. And there's a little bit of Gideon in every one of us in this room. See, Jesus came to deal with that insatiable desire that drives us for something look at me that can never be satisfied. <laughs> this is the craziness that we get in, and I wish it was just about possessions, but it 's not how many of you, How many of you in here are trying to figure out how to spend all your time i got all this extra time i don 't know what to do with it. The answer is nobody, why because we are driven We none of us feel like we have enough time Amen. Why because there's something more to do there's something more to accomplish. There's something more to be it's the American way I'm not saying you shouldn't do and be and accomplish everything God is starting you to do unless you achieving that validates you as a person <laughs> The issue for most of us is validation. You grew up in a family where your daddy never, it was never enough. And you're 31 years old, still trying to prove your daddy wrong. You're trying to validate something that was already validated at a bloody cross and an empty tomb. You'll never fill that hole in your life. This is the problem. It'll never be enough. You're hey you little young married people look at me. Your wife does not your wife your husband does not complete you. That will never happen. That was some Hollywood load a bull that this, some movie, you complete me. It made me want to puke. <laughs> right? And so I get on stage and I stomp my foot and say, only Jesus completes you and you all applaud. But then we go out looking for validation in all these places. Like, would somebody stop the merry-go-round? I want to get off. I, I'm just... I'm not not there. I'm just telling you, I lived so much of my life trying to validate myself by running after stuff. And when you get, I'm not. Don't hear me saying I'm there, but I am learning in my fifties that having nothing to prove and nothing to hide is a much better way to live than trying to prove yourself. I mean, if we had time in the last 15 minutes, I'd just sit here and confess for the next. I mean, I could just throw it up. I just wanted my church to be big so people would notice me. I just wanted to write books. I wanted a platform. You drive after all that drivel for all of that. For what? What happens when you get to the top of the mountain and you find out it's not all it's cracked up to be? The, the, the great theologian, Jim Carrey. <laughs> you remember what he said? I wish that everybody could be rich and famous and find out that it's not what you think it is. What Jesus indicates in the story is, is that when my life is about me, I mean, just look in Luke 12, my grain, my crop, my barn. My soul, my dream, when, when it's about me, it will suck the life out of my soul. I mean, I, I just listed so, so many things, body image issues. <sighs> like, girls, ladies, look at me. Like, that stuff on the front of magazines is airbrushed airbrush crap, That's not real. You you don't need to be a certain, have a certain body image to be beautiful. Well, but I want to be healthy. Be healthy, but don't be driven to a place of unhealth. Religious people, look at me, quit working for something. It's not spiritual to be miserable and tired. Work from a place, not for a place. Only you can answer this question. What do you need to be happy? (laughs) I call it the as soon as disease. You know what, as soon as I get this, I'm gonna be happy. You end up a bitter, worn out, shriveled up soul on your front porch, mad at the world, because as soon as never happened. Or you can say, you know what the Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made? Because this moment is the only moment you've ever been promised. And the joy is found in living in this moment. You tell me something. If that guy would have known that that night he was gonna have a massive coronary and he's gonna slump over his desk, would he have given a ripped potato chip about how big his barn was? Even though there's nothing wrong with bigger barns. Some of you go, well, you're full of it. You don't know me, you're sitting at Lake Cities. you're going, who is that dude? I'm mean, gonna I put on a coat just to impress you this week, but look, look, you don't know me. I don't know everything, but I've done what I'm doing for a living for almost 30 years. I have sat with hundreds of families when people have died. Nobody talks about the stuff we spend all of our time talking about. Nobody! Well, you make sure they know how great he was in his company. You make sure you, he knows how big our house... Nobody cares about that stuff because that's not where life is. This is the problem Jesus is trying to illustrate. But what you got to love about Jesus is he in camp out in the problem? He says, let me show you the solution. By the way, he calls this man a fool, not because he did something foolish, but because the lens at which he was looking at his life, he wasn't looking through the lens of a that he was in relationship with a risen reigning God. He's just doing whatever seemed right to him at the time. In the Bible, anytime somebody's called a fool, it's somebody who makes a decision without God in mind. (laughs) There's a little bit of fool in all of us, isn't there? Before we get too hard on this guy. David got it. David, the one from which Jesus' lineage is going to be birthed, in Psalm 42 says this. He says that uh, as dear pant for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. What can I? Where, when can I go and meet with God? So Jesus tells this story and says, you need to be rich toward God. And then the next sentence out of his mouth is, look at that bird. It's like, wait, you got ADD, Jesus? What are you doing? We were in this sermon now. Are you talking about a bird? Now the NIV version would say, look at this sparrow. I mean, literal translation, which again, for you Bible geeks, it's really, it's closer to a raven. Think about it. A raven is like a rat with wings. He's, the thing is, he's looking for what, what people see as the most worthless, valueless thing on the planet. So look at that bird. Who takes care of that bird? God does. My father, take, if, my, if my father is going to take care of a raven with wings, don't you think he's going to take care of you? Look at that flower. There's nothing more beautiful than that flower. Who, who dressed that flower? My father, why are you burning? Why are you miserable hustling after significance and value and something that only God can give you? And then he says this. He says, seek First, the kingdom of God. And all these things will be taken care of. And I would submit that we are tired because we seek after everything else and we haven't found the kingdom. (laughs) And then he says this. He says, it gives my father great pleasure. To give you the kingdom. That all of the things that you're running after to be validated can only be found in connection with the one who created you, Christ. See, I would submit that my problem and your problem is... Is we run after all of this identity, all of this validation, we spend all of our time, we do all of these things because we want peace, contentment, joy, purpose, all of those things we want. But when you chase those things, you get tired. But when you chase the one that gives those things, you find those things in the first place. Isn't that interesting? The goal is not to be rich toward God. The goal is to seek the kingdom. And when you seek the kingdom, the result is a life that the Bible defines as rich, peace, security, contentment, purpose in life. And you go, well, I'm just, I'm not sure about that. Well, just keep pursuing those things. and you'll keep getting what you're getting or fight the urge to be human and pursue the one who gives those things and you won't be tired anymore see here's the good news of the gospel look at me everybody when you go after him you get it all how unbelievable would it be to live without the fear of the other shoe dropping or you running out of something you really need How awesome would it be to get to the place where you weren't burning your mental energy, worrying about something that's never going to happen? What what would it be like for you to say, you know what, this isn't about what I possess, this is about my perspective about my life, and I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. This isn't like a salvation call for new believers. I'm talking about for everybody who's breathing in this room. I'm gonna ask the Holy Spirit to give me a new perspective. You say, well, man, I'm not sure what that looks like. And I've struggled. Some of these guys here can tell you, I've taught them, well, I mean, I've struggled for how, how do you describe what it means to not chase that and to chase the kingdom? And I found a little video piece that for me, no matter what your opinion is about this guy, and there's lots of opinions about this guy, what he says, which I just am taking at face value, it's the greatest picture of what I think Jesus is trying to teach us here that I've ever seen
1: on video. Let's watch this. Well, what pressure do you have if you're 0 for 12 and you're at the plate versus someone that is fighting for their life? Versus someone that, you know, we picked up on the side of the street in Haiti because they're crippled or they're not wanted or they're thrown into the garbage. Like, how do you compare those things? And for me, it's it's there's, there's not a comparison and that's why you're able to handle sports as a game because it still is yeah we can pursue it we can give so much of our time energy and effort to it but at the end of the day I know that's not why I'm here it's not my biggest purpose it's not my biggest calling it's not what I want to be it's not how I want to be known in my life it's not as a football player as a baseball player as you know someone that, you know, worked hard to accomplish those things. I I want my life to be so much more than that. I want to be someone that was known for bringing faith, hope, and love to those needing a brighter day in their darkest hour of need. And that is something that is a life calling for me, and so it's so much bigger than sports. But I am so grateful for sports because it's given me a platform to be able to share and love and care for people all over the world. So I wouldn't trade that for anything, but they do have very distinct separate places, and I like to keep them there as well. Whoa.
0: See, I, I, ju- I just think what that shows. This is Tim Tebow for you guys who aren't into sports, which is fine. But I, what I think it shows that video, little clip shows, is like it's not either extreme. He cares about his profession. He wants to be the very best at. He works hard at it, but his profession isn't who he is. So, like, if you're a doctor, if you're an attorney, if you are a barista, you're a student, you, uh, you work for an electric company, you're, you, you fix cars, you're a stay-at-home mom, look at me. Do it to the best of your ability. Like, be really, really, really good at it. Care a lot about it. But understand that God gave you all of that It's his. And he's going to do with it what he's going to do with it. And whatever way he can use you to bring his love into that little place that he's placed you, do it. Seek first the kingdom. <laughs> and all the stuff you're seeking to give you what can, it can never get you, you'll get So you know me, I'm intensely practical And I I pounded My head against my little desk I literally did yesterday, just like, okay, if you were gonna say How could How could some of us begin this process I would say this I want you to join me in this This week, number one I want you every day to write down three things you're grateful for On a piece of paper, I know for some of you Never use paper, get a piece of paper Something to write with, and write down Three things you're grateful for every day because gratitude is the soil where this kind of heart grows. The greatest weapon you have against a a sense of angst of the as soon as disease is gratitude. The devil has no weapon against gratitude. Gratitude puts you under an open heaven. So find three things every day to be grateful for. Number two in the next five days you commit in your heart, I'm gonna add value into whatever circle God puts me into. Whether it's where I go to school, it's where I work in all my, my neighborhood, I'm, I'm gonna bring value. <laughs> whatever that looks like for you, for some of you, that's a word of encouragement to somebody, that's value, is it not? <laughs> for others of you, it'll be a helping hand. Some of you have been given much, you got big barns, that's great. You've been given much, much is required of you. <laughs> That's not me, that's Jesus. But God is not going to hold you to a standard of something you do not have. God ain't asking you for what you don't have. God's asking you to use what you do have, your gifts, your abilities, your talents. So be grateful, add value with what God has given you wherever you go. And thirdly, every day, you look, at, you look to the heavens and you say, Jesus, the best way I know how, today I give you my life. Jesus, the best way I know how, today I give you my life. You will not bat a thousand, but you will be more aware than you've ever been. And you will take us, I'm not asking you to take a step away from something. I'm asking you to take a step towards something. That's why in two weeks we're going to have a baptism celebration like many of you have never seen. Because this is going to be the day for many of you to go public with your faith in the person of Jesus Christ. This is going to be your day. And I'm believing by faith there are going to be hundreds of you who have known Jesus, loved Jesus the best way you know how, you're going to heaven, you're a good person, but you've never stepped over the line publicly and received the power that comes in baptism. And I'm gonna talk next week about baptism being your baptism ceremony as it relates to FOMO, but look at me everybody, baptism is also your funeral. This is you saying the best way you know how, I'm dying to stuff that doesn't bring me life anymore. I'm giving myself to the one who gives me life. Uh, We've watched it happen here. And I want to just say this. In Lake Cities and here in Denton, in your seat back, there's these cards that your campus guys kind of fly by. As they're saying, hey, we're glad you're here. There's a card you can fill out. I I want, if you've never been baptized, I'm going to ask you right now to take one of the cards out of that seat back. And before you leave today, I want you to put your name... Some way we can get in contact with you. Maybe an email. If email's great with you, cool. If, if it's phone for you, cool. But, but some way we can contact you, there's a place for you to check on the back of that card says baptism. Let us talk to you about what it means to be baptized. I'll do that next week. No. Don't be the dude building a bigger barn today. Let's begin that process of saying, I'm going to die to something so I can find the life I've been looking for. Can I pray for you? That'd be okay? So, Lord, this is, this is my life. <laughs> I've had a poverty spirit. I know that feeling. I know the misery that comes and waiting for the other shoe to drop and thinking that it's spiritual to be miserable, that it's honorable to be worn out. And I'm so grateful that you love me enough Jesus you're, even if in my 50s teaching me how to come to you and learn these unforced rhythms of grace and I just I want to find it with these people together trust me some of you don't know me I'm not ahead of you I, I, I want to I learn it with you how to get off the wheel <laughs> I mean trying to get validated is exhausting isn't it Lord we just want to find that in you I especially pray for people both of our campuses that have never made this public profession of their faith that they wouldn't walk out the door this day without just jotting down a little info and beginning that process and I'm grateful Father I'm thanking you in advance for the hundreds that we're going to see begin to find new life in you in a new way we love you. We bless you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we
1: pray. Amen and amen. Amen.